live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on Friday, October 13th, 2023. I'm Gianna Volpe. Long Island State and New York City authorities are increasing security and patrols in communities and houses of worship following a call by a former Hamas chief for protests across the Muslim world today in support of Palestinians and against Israel. While law enforcement has reported no credible threats, the call for a global day of jihad by former Hamas chief Khalid Meshal has prompted police on Long Island to deploy additional special forces, including SWAT teams, drones, and bomb-sniffing canines in Jewish communities near schools, businesses, synagogues, and yeshivas throughout through tomorrow and until the threat has been mitigated, officials said. John Asbury reporting on Newsday.com that several Long Island school districts sent letters to parents yesterday saying they were on heightened alert with messages from NASA and Suffolk police warning parents to be alert and report suspicious activity. Governor Kathy Hochul and New York City Mayor Eric Adams reassured New Yorkers last night there were no credible threats throughout the state. Hochul said she is working with the Department of Homeland Security and the White House to protect New Yorkers and assess threats. Quote, there is no call to violence that will shake our conviction and no evil we're unwilling to confront, Hochul said. I want to reiterate there is no reason to be afraid. No one should feel the need to alter their normal lives or routine. If we change our normal behavior without a serious threat were letting the terrorists win, end quote. Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney K. Harrison said in a letter to parents included by uh, included in notices by some school districts that Suffolk police would increase patrols and surveillance around synagogues. He said detectives were monitoring threats online, but again noted there are no credible threats in Suffolk County. In other news, New York State Assembly person Fred W. Thiel Jr., seeking nominations from high schools in his Assembly District 1 for the Presidential Scholars Program. The program was established by President Lyndon Johnson in 1964 and recognizes high school seniors based on outstanding scholarship. State Education Department Commissioner Betty A. Rosa will consider involvement and service in school and community leadership and character, writing samples, academic achievements, heavy workload, family responsibilities, and extraordinary achievement or large hurdles overcome in making her 20 selections. In addition to those nominations, Commissioner Rosa is asking for an additional student to be included as a candidate for recognition for excellence in career and technical education. She will nominate up to five students in CTE programs considering academic rigor, technical competence, employability skills, as well as ingenuity, creativity, and real-world problem-solving. Letters of nomination no more than two pages long must be received by October 25th. Submit electronically at Thiel F, as in Frank, that's T-H-I-E-L-E-F as in Frank, at nyassembly.gov or mail to 3350 Noyak Road, Building B in Sag Harbor, New York. That's 11963. Letters must include the student's name, gender, homing, uh, home mailing address, email address as well as the high school name and its mailing address. Eligible students include high school seniors graduating between January and August 2024 who are U.S. citizens or legal permanent residents. Looking up island, Sayville High School has canceled the remainder of the boys' soccer season because of hazing incidents, according to a letter Sent yesterday from Superintendent Mark Ferris to parents, Roger Rubin reporting on Newsday.com that the letter said younger players were the targets of the hazing. Sayville School District has not released the names of students involved or what disciplinary actions they're facing. Quote, this, this hazing behavior was systematic and ongoing throughout the season, Ferris's letter states it as the conduct took place off of school grounds and also went on in previous seasons. 
Ferris reached by Newsday last night said that in at least one of the previous seasons, the hazing incidents included forms of racism and anti-Semitism. Quote, the recent hazing incidents with the current Sayville Varsity Boys soccer team had nothing to do with anti-Semitism or racism, Ferris told Newsday after meeting with parents of the boys' soccer players. Let me be clear that we canceled the boys' soccer team because there was hazing on the team. We have a zero-tolerance policy toward any kind of hazing in our district. We also felt it was important to tell the community that there was a prior investigation where we uncovered anti-Semitic and racist incidents from previous years adding uh, those incidents had nothing to do with the current team. However, in our letter to the community, we felt it was important to let everyone know what we uncovered in both situations is not uh, not acceptable in our schools. End quote. Sayville High School boys soccer team was 5-9 overall this season and had two games remaining. And finally, eelgrass serves as a habitat for oysters. Oysters help filter and keep our waterways clean. Elizabeth Vespi reporting on 27east.com that with funding support from the community, Cornell Cooperative Extension's Marine Team will host a Marine Meadows workshop on October 21st at Havens Beach in Sag Harbor from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. The team will bring adult eelgrass shoots to shore for processing, inviting the community to get involved in an eelgrass restoration project by helping weave eelgrass shoots into burlap tortillas for transplanting. Once stocked, uh, those tortillas or biodegradable burlap planting units in science terms will be planted at restoration sites by Cornell's marine dive team where they will provide essential habitat for finfish and shellfish and help improve water quality and coastal resiliency of Sag Harbor's shoreline. Stormwater runoff flows into Havens Beach contaminated with pollutants that migrate from nearby roadways and properties to the watershed area causing water quality degradation problems leading to closures for bathers. Eelgrass improves water quality by filtering polluted runoff. It also produces food and oxygen, stores greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide, and protects the shoreline from erosion. Members of the Sag Harbor community have come together to support the establishment of a new Back to the Bay's stewardship site in support of water quality and habitat improvement off Havens Beach. In Sag Harbor, this Marine Meadows workshop is just the first in a series of efforts for which funds are being raised. You can learn more at backtothebays.org slash sag dash harbor dash stewardship dash site. I would probably just go to backtothebays.org and look for more information. Uh Toward the ecological or the environmental end, we're going to be reading the weather in Southold in honor of Bob DeLuca from the group for the East End. Joining us for the Friday morning tea at the bottom of the hour, looking like a sunny Friday with a high near 64 degrees. Northwest wind around 10 miles per hour. Beautiful start to the weekend. Increasing clouds tonight with a low around 49 degrees. North wind 7 to 9 miles per hour. Right now it's 54 degrees. And I've got a green edition planned for you this morning that will somehow transition into Joan of the Joan of Arc tracks as we welcome Ashley Bell on uh, Joan of Arc. I think it's at Bay Street tomorrow. We'll find out more at the bottom of the next hour. Ludicrous, the bell curves, and Kermit the Frog, followed by Miles Davis and CCR. Where else do you get a mix like that? Kicking it off with Petula Clark right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the weekday morning and midnight show, The Heart of the East End. We'll be back. is never what it seems we're always searching in our dreams to find that little castle in the air when worry starts to cloud the mind it's hard to leave it all behind and just pretend you haven't got a care the 
there's someone else in your imagination you wish that you were standing in their shoes you change your life without much hesitation but would you if you really had to choose so don't look around get your feet on the ground it's much better by It seems to me there's someone else I'd rather be Living in a world of make-believe To stay in bed till nearly three With nothing there to worry me Would seem to be the life I might achieve But deep inside I know I'm really lucky Happiness I've never known before And just as long as you are there beside me I think Bob is on the line with us. Bob, are you there? I am indeed. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning to you. You are that so... That was quite an introduction. But you hey, how, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. It was nice to see you at Southampton Arts Center, what, about a, about a month ago? Yeah, yeah, that was a great program. And uh, your, your daughter was playing, and she is fantastic, and we loved having her, as we uh, always do. Um and, I'm a little biased, but yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. You know, it's funny. It, today is my father's birthday, an environmentalist mm-hmm. who raised me. So definitely she feels like a sister from another mister and that being you. <laughs> so happy birthday, Dad, where you are. Uh, speaking of Southampton Arts Center, uh, we're the t- WLIWFM team is going to be back there uh, tomorrow now for the opening of the Heroines of the Abstract Expressionist era um opening of their new exhibit there so come on down and say hi now bob we've been meaning to get you on the air geez since i think august which was water quality month and i think we're yep. we're gonna sort of kind of end there because i definitely want to dig into uh the green amendment and what it means and what's been going on in uh the ledge and everything uh, but sure. first i wanted to just uh, hop back to last month because that was you guys did a lot of work as far as invasive plants go. Yeah, we have, and I'm very thankful, obviously, to my staff members who are out there uh, doing the hard work. You know, I get to talk about it, but those are the guys in the in the water with volunteers and also assistants. But yeah, we have a number of projects going on. One of the biggest ones is what's called our Beta Sound project, and we've been working in partnership with the town of Southhold with support from the state of New York to create a trail linkage that runs from Long Island Sound all the way down to Peconic Bay, um, just on the edge of Greenport that runs through a series of properties there. And we've been doing a number of restoration projects there. Uh, Skipper Horton Park is sort of midway, just north of the um, the main road there. It's, it actually people, it, it collects uh, runoff, but it's actually a quite nice little wetland around there. So we've been working there. We've also had a number of um, restoration projects started up at the Downs Farm Preserve in Cutchlock that we, right. we manage. And so, uh, you know, what's nice about that is, you know, a lot of times you work in this business and there's a lot of gloom and doom 
uh, these restoration projects are opportunities, one to just sort of physically, you know, get your hands in the dirt and do something with, with nature. And, you know, you have progress over time and it takes time. And we, we, you know, we learn a lot about the changes in our ecosystem based on what's happened with human settlement and, you know, all that. But you see that these things, if you stay with them, they, they really do come back. And then once you have them coming back, the species that naturally live there, they come back. And you can get a, a real nice kind of, you know, um, ecosystem moving around again from what was might have been just a, you know, a monocrop of Phragmites or something like that. But right. it's a lot of hard work, and, and I'm very uh, – and it's not just us. Uh, we had done some work with the folks around Great Pond, and, you know, there are a number of these projects going on. So I, uh, I encourage people uh, to think about little things that you can do like that because, as I've often said, it took us a long time to make the mess. It's going to take us a long time to put it back together again. And these little projects, uh, they're good for the soul as well as the environment. And it's nice because it creates a place – for folks to go and really connect with the work that you're doing and and recognize the importance of it. It's funny, Phragma- I think Phragmites might have been the first plant species that I knew yeah. what it was called. And it <laughs> it's probably because of, of the fact that they are so invasive. And I think people don't uh, tend to think of them in that way that they might think of of bamboo uh, or what's yep. uh, Tree of Heaven is on our forefront uh, lately because of uh, the fact that the lantern, the spotted lanternfly, um, eats it so much. Yeah, I mean, obviously we have a lot of stands of Phragmites, and you know, to not totally disparage Phragmites, they do well, a decent did... job of of absorbing you know pollutants and things like that. The problem is typically that they overtake the area that right. they're in to the point where na- the diversity of native species disappears, and then the diversity of animals that go along with those native species they tend to go as well. So, right. you know, it's one of these things that once it gets going and it loves brackish water, and as you know, we have more areas of saline water, it just you know it's very successful at what it does, and it knows how to stick around. So. Um, <laughs> It's a fair amount of work to try to put things together. To to touch on another pro, might it help with uh, coastline resiliency in any way? Well, in a way, I think some of these, you know, it has, it's very deep rooted. Uh, It also spreads by rhizomes. So it has, you know, if anybody has ever tried to remove Phragmites knows that it doesn't go quietly. So Mm. (laughs) it probably can do a bit of shoreline stabilizing, but also the native plants do that as well. So it's you know, and I think it's one of these situations where we're probably never going to eliminate, eliminate all of Phragmites. Uh, but I think they're trying to develop a balance between what belongs here and uh, and the Frags is, a, <laughs> you know, it's a good goal. They're real. Yeah, they're re- and they're really, really tough. So how do you take them out? Well, there's a variety. You know, you talk to different. We tried not to use a, a pesticide wicking method, which does. Uh, there's a You can cut them and then herbicide the top, and that tends to uh, to knock them back. But again, it's a regular process. We try to do it the old-fashioned way. We do a lot of manual work of cutting and recutting, and then you cover it, and sort of the the, uh, the sun will, will bake it. Um, it'll also bake off some of the seeds, and it's, you know, it's really, I guess what we would do is more of a suppression activity so that other species get a chance to to restart, right? So, it's uh, it's a, it's an ongoing process, and then you pull off the covering, and you see what, what starts showing up. You can put in some native plantings behind it. You're really just trying over time to have it you know, it, it, it competes very heavily, right? So you're trying to equalize that competition so the other species can get a toehold, start growing again, shade out the new uh, frags from coming up. The other thing is if you continuously cut it, the, the plant itself gets weaker and weaker. It requires, obviously, the, the, what, what we see above the ground uh, to maintain what's below the ground. And so if you can continue to cut that off and cut that off and remove it, um, that's another way to just kind of suppress it and keep it back. So I want to – we're we're talking about things that are – by the water. I want to dive right into the water itself because oh, our waters have been certainly struggling. Um, yeah. And this is this has been an awful year as far as water quality is concerned. Um, I loved talking uh, to Dr. Bob Tiemann recently about the oyster reefs or the, the one that they put in Akabonic Bay. And oh my gosh, I'm thinking I would love to see so many more of these projects. Uh, it, are there thoughts about uh, installing such uh, on the North Fork? And uh, then let's let's talk a little bit about w- what the Green Amendment is mm-hmm. and and about the letter to the Suffolk County Legislature. 
Sure. So, so quickly with respect to oysters and shellfishing, you know, we had a, a large return of, of really an oyster industry, and a lot of that's thanks to work done at what's called these spawner sanctuaries and places that help to grow out um, the oysters to a certain size, and then they can be, you know, they can be relocated, they can be harvested. So, Cornell Cooperative Extension has been yes. involved in that for a long time. Yes. Towns have been involved in that, and you know, they're great filter feeders. I, I never remember the number, but it's a lot of water that a each, lot, that yeah. Each, uh, oyster filters through every day, eats up the algae that takes the algae out of the water. It's good for the oysters. And so that, you know, that's kind of a natural uh, mechanism to reduce nitrogen in our waterways. And it's also tasty. So, um, you know, you can't really beat that. So, uh, yeah, so there is there actually is quite a bit of work going on. There's a variety of different folks working, you know, both private sector projects, public sector, public private sector, all across the North Fork and on the South Side. Um, so all of that, I think, is uh, is very helpful, and it's also something. It's actually a way for people to relate to what's going on with the water too. A lot of guys like me, you know, we're well, you know, too far down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Make a lot of sense to people, but you know, if you understand where these oysters come from and how they live and how they grow and how the water quality, you know, they need a certain level of positive water quality to function, and you can't just dump a bunch of oysters into polluted water and right. expect them to clean it up. Right. But there's a there is a balance there where we used to have obviously a very robust oyster population and it was serving us well in terms of cleansing the bay, and the work done to restore that population in, in a variety of different ways uh, is showing a lot of marked progress. And again, something that's also good for the local economy in terms of people who can sell those oysters, et cetera. But like you like you mentioned, the oysters can only do so much. And I, it looks like the Chesapeake Bay Foundation says an adult oyster can filter as much as 50 gallons of water a day. Uh, but, the, but they can't r- stand up to the onslaught, uh, particularly coming from these outdated, some broken uh, septic systems and whatnot. Uh, so let's talk about that. You know, there was a sure. a, a movement some years ago uh, to uh, give folks like credit to put, you know, incentive to put mm-hmm. new smart septic systems in. I think that sort of got muddied up when uh, folks were having uh, seeing it show up as income or they, they were getting taxed on it. Yes. I believe that has been fixed. That since absolutely then. has been resolved. Yep. Yes. But it, I think that really killed uh, the energy and, and the momentum. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was not great for the momentum and it was right. something that was, uh, you know, had to, it took probably close to two years to get resolved. Right. And, you know, the, Again, the short story is we've been putting septic systems in the ground for a long time. Historically, those systems were intended to make sure that we tried to keep people safe from bacteria and viruses in their drinking water and wells. There was not as much understanding as to how those systems affected surface waters. And we now right. know, thanks to the work of people like Dr. Chris Gobler right. um, at Stony Brook, that you know, something like 60 to 70 percent of our nitrogen load coming into our bays can be related, depending on where you are in the in the uh, Long Island. To subsurface wastewater systems, right? And the area is not sewered, so um, and sewering has its own issues. But and our and our area is very sandy, so our our aquifers are are very vulnerable. And once nitrogen gets below the root zone, you know people put nitrogen on a plant to make it grow, but once you get below the root zone, that nitrogen is pretty much on its way out to the next surface water. You know the way that our groundwater works. So. So over time, that accumulated problem has resulted in a lot of decline in water quality, alongside other things that some are controllable, some are less controllable. But nitrogen is the largest controllable pollutant we have causing problems, particularly in our east end estuaries, but also across Long Island on the south shore as well. So the idea here is to essentially try to re-engineer the way that we've been dealing with wastewater. And the way to do that is to help people pay the cost of getting a new installation and providing a new high tech, we call it an advanced treatment technology system that treats the nitrogen essentially before it goes out, you know, into the environment. Now, the way to do that is to create a long-term recurring revenue stream so that people can be assured that if they apply for one of these systems, they can be paid very well to try to get it in the ground and make sure that the the cost of doing it is not a burden on the homeowner. And, and when this is not designed as a regulatory program to put a gun to people's heads. It's trying to get people on board to do this as swiftly as we can, and that has a lot to do with the size of the, um, the the grant or rebate that you can provide people. So fortunately here on the East End, some of our East End communities, Southampton, East Hampton, Shelter Island, have uh, individual town programs, but those town programs are supplemented by county money, which has been coming in dribs and drabs from the state. The, the whole idea that's sort of before us now and is in a bit of controversy is 
the county spent 10 years coming up with this strategy. They've, they've essentially researched every every water body that we have, every sub-watershed, tried to figure out what the nitrogen loading was. And what they came up with is we need to help people get these new systems in the ground, and we need to have a recurring revenue stream to do it, and we want the public to vote to approve it so we're not, again, pushing it down anybody's throat. We want the public to agree to this. And essentially, it would be funded by an eighth of the penny uh, on the county sales tax. That eighth of the penny would be directed toward giving people the grants and rebates. So it's one of the few things that you will pay that you'll get back. Um, and up west where you have more sewer projects and, and sewering areas where you have people in sewer districts that are not connected, it will help people to make those connections. Where we ran into problems, we had several public hearings on this matter after state legislation uh, that was introduced by our local assemblyman Fred Thiel was passed uh, as part of the governor's budget to reauthorize it here in Suffolk County and to get it on the ballot. We've had multiple hearings before the Suffolk County legislature. They have been, I'd say, about 97% in favor of doing something and doing this particular thing uh, to to move forward on more. Well, yeah, I thought, legis- I, I thought I read something like uh, 70% of, of of folks, of voters, were in favor. I mean, that's overwhelming. That's yeah, the polling on it's always been very strong. Right. But even if you don't want to just listen to polling, I was right. at those hearings and about 97 or 98% that's, of That's virtually spoke. everyone. And the other thing here that you don't always find is that there's a coalition that includes environmental organizations like ourselves, Nature Conservancy, the Conic Baykeeper, uh, many other environmental organizations from across Long Island, Citizens Campaign for the Environment. On the other side, we also have the Long Island Contractors Association. We have Nassau Suffolk Building Council. So this is one of those times when we and the builders and everybody are all kind of in agreement, just like we did with the CPF. We all said, you know what, this is something we can all right. agree to. Right. And so there, there is a – they're just – you know, a lot of times there's a big other side. There's not a big other side here. So the legislature yeah, what has happened? gotten <laughs> well, they got they got stuck. And depending on who's, you know, I think Newsday did a pretty nice analysis of this. That some members of the legislature are concerned. Well, if I'm running and it looks like there's a tax, it's not even if people are deciding it. That's a problem. So it's I think it's become. Oh, you think maybe uh, it was an election you know, year issue? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Newsday, I mean, I think their analysis is pretty spot on. Actually, the Southampton Press did a big editorial on this. You know, we tend to, in my business, stay out of the political arena, but is a sort of small p politics. I don't think there's any – we've yet to hear what exactly the problem is, and they, they were arguing a little bit about a reallocation of which money went to which fund, but it really didn't amount to much. So it seems to me like there's some guys on the legislature that feel like if they run with this issue, it's not going to help their campaign. And so they're just kind of dragging. Put, it. Yeah, just pushing it off, pushing it off a little bit. And I was after. there this week. I was there um, on Wednesday of this week, making another pitch, and which gets us to the Green Amendment issue. But but basically saying that you can't just spend a lot of money, do a plan, approve its findings, and then not do it. Like, right. That's the point. And so and so you know? let's let's talk a little bit about the Green Amendment because that was a big part of the letter of uh, the sort of um, you know being upset at this dragging of feet. Uh, why are people like yourself, people in environmental organizations, uh, upset about this? As far as it comes into uh, any sort of legality, what is the Green Amendment? What does it mean? And, uh, you know, uh, how can it work? Because I, I, I'm trying to figure out where the, where you can fu- – where, where the teeth go. And, like, are you able to say that there was a violation of the Green Amendment if – if it is, in fact, just a dragging of feet and it's not that they're not doing something, it's just not yet. Right. So there's there's kind of three things here. One is background for people who are listening. In yes. November of 2021, the New York State electorate voted overwhelmingly in support of a new constitutional amendment, which guaranteed every citizen a right to clean water, clean air, and a healthful environment. Yes. Now, it basically which is a established... pretty cool thing. It's amazing. It, it, was certain... a fun, it was a fun thing to see on the ballot. Yes. And uh, and the public said, yes, yes, we believe in this right. We want to have this right. So now the way that the world works is that now that's enshrined in the Constitution, the, the courts essentially have to figure out what it means, or there could be a legislative approach to figuring out what it means. So we basically uh, – there's a couple of cases that are it's, – it's new law, right? So there's not a lot of established law to, to look right, back on. Right, so right. there are cases pending right now in the state of New York and a variety of different channels where people have raised this issue among their claims about why a particular act, action or activity of, of government you know, should or shouldn't occur. So we actually went with, um, we went to the Pace University Environmental Litigation Clinic, which is a really outstanding resource that Pace University has of, of environmental lawyers and um, you know, lawyers in training and people who are in law school working on nothing but environmental matters. 
And we saved the sound and the Peconic Baykeeper organization joined forces and said, listen, why don't you guys take a look at this and see whether or not there's a problem here? Because we don't understand how, and one of the issues here is that we have an adopted plan and a strategy. It's one thing to say, listen, uh, we're going we're gonna to sue you because you didn't do anything about clean water. And the county could say, well, we're trying. Yeah, we're trying to do something. But here they actually spent a decade and they decided what they wanted to do. And the legislature said they wanted to do it by approving the findings of that study. And then, you know, hit the brick. So the, the, the issue here is whether or not in, in, in light of an adopted program or policy that the, the county has clearly said it wants to do, um, all of the background work, whether or not a court would say, all right, look, you got to get moving on this. Right. You know, and, 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 I, and let me just say this is back. Nothing would make me happier than to just have this move on its own accord and let's get this going. Right. None of us like to do litigation. It's a real pain if you've ever been involved in it. it takes a long time. Uh, up until this point, this has been a largely amicable, cooperative, collaborative endeavor uh, in a world where such things are rare to happen uh, all the way through. Everybody has said they want, they understand the issue. Everyone has defined the part of the issue that we want to take on, which is the septic systems. Everybody has, when I say everybody, I mean government, and civic, environmental, business, you know, construction. All the stakeholders have said, yeah, this makes a lot of sense to all of us. So let's do it. And then, you know, Fred Thiel took it up to the state of New York and basically got it into the governor's budget bill. It was approved by everybody in New York state, came back down here for the final sign off by the county. And they hit the brakes. And it's just, it's really, you know, as I said yesterday, it, it's just troubling. I mean, I've been at this for a long time, maybe longer than people wish I have been. But, you know, rarely do you get an opportunity when there is this much agreement with this much potential positive outcome. And, you know, we're not, and others don't want to just leave that to, to, to flounder around until somebody. You can't. I mean, you, you can't just leave it because right. if when you leave it, then nothing happens. And, you know, we should also remember that there is a lot of federal matching money floating around, particularly for uh, communities that are underserved in lots of ways, you know, from the federal infrastructure bill. And the longer you futz around and don't do anything locally, the harder it is to get your hands on that money. So we right. could be significantly increasing the amount of money available for water quality infrastructure if we could just get this over the finish line and just, and we're saying, put it in front of the voters. I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not making this decision. Well, we and, and so that was, the, that was the, the big issue is that because of the, the dragging of feet, uh, it will not be on the ballot, or is there still a possibility of that? So it, it definitely can't go on the November right, ballot. Right, because it, it missed the deadline, right? There's a possibility of trying to do a special election, but, you know, the other thing I don't want to have happen is I don't want to have a special election in the second week of February or something where, you know, five, and, I, and I've been at this long enough to know that five years from now there'll be some problem and somebody on the legislature will say, well, there was a special election and nobody knew about it, so only 10% of the people voted, so maybe nobody wants and, this program. And I mean, however this, many people weren't <laughs> even around, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, so while we would, you know, I, while I'd be happy to have an election to, to, to get this across the finish line at this point, I, would, I think a general election is the best, best place to put it because everybody turns out for general elections, much more so anyway than they do in a special election held at some off time. And so, you know, and this is the problem about the way that things unravel. So you say, well, listen, we'll just drag our feet. These guys are complaining, but, you know, we'll, we'll get around. It's too bad. It's we... too bad just considering uh, the dire circumstances our water is in yeah. right now. And, you know, somebody might say, well, it's not going to fix anything in six months. Anyway. Yeah, but the problem is but we continue to have the problem yeah, and the it magnifies sooner, over time. Yeah, and the sooner so, you start, the, the better it it is. The yeah. sooner things And there's going to be kinks to work out. You're going to have right. to get the program up to speed. Nothing's going to happen instantaneously. So... You know, and listen, things can always unravel even further. Right now, somebody will say, well, the presidential election, coming, we don't want to get it. You know, who knows? I mean, that's just long enough to know that when you're that close to the finish line, it's really in your best interest to get there mm -hmm. because any number of unpredicted variables can occur and always. change things. And I think and I think in this particular case, while sometimes, you know, there's there's a very closely divided uh, public sentiment on certain environmental or planning issues. Uh, this is not one of those things. I mean, Long Islanders have said over and over, and people who live here almost all find a way to enjoy the water in one way or another. It, you know, there's obviously a public health implication as well, which is contaminated groundwater can get into people's private wells, right. um, and contaminated groundwater gets into our surface waters and causes problems there. So it's a, it is a major, major issue. There's and and honestly, even the legislators that are not moving this, I don't think any of them have said we don't have a problem. They agree there's a problem. They agree we should do something. Some of them 
agree that we should probably do this thing, but we just don't want to do it this week or next week or two months from now. So, you know, our job in in the advocacy business uh, is to try to make sure that this issue stays uh, top of mind for the legislature, that they are aware that in this case, there may be broader implications. There are, I mean, from my personal standpoint, if we passed a green amendment and guaranteed a right clean water to people in the state of New York, that has to mean something. I mean, it's part of the state constitution. And those of us in, in our area of interest need to make sure that that, again, is top of mind, that people are thinking about it, that the, that the legislature operates with an awareness of this. And that's what we asked them to do. We said, look, we're not here to, to saber rattle that, you know, we're going to sue you tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock. We want you to understand. We want you to read what the PACE um, folks wrote. We want you to take a hard look at that. We want you to understand that we have this constitutional. Uh, which is, not, I think that's one of the most important aspects of this story is that it is the first aspect of of understand of of learning uh, and educating and uh, talking about what it was that uh, folks voted for in 2021. Yeah. So and it's... I think, you know, there is sometimes people think oh, geez, advocates are always wagging their finger at somebody. Most of us who do this and want to succeed know that 90, 80 to 90 percent of what we do is an education process, whether it's helping legislate. And I get look, people have a lot of stuff to worry about. I'm not underestimating the complications of every single person's job uh, to get it done. But our job is to say, here's something in the Constitution. Here's like, a program. Right. But all, and at the end, but at the end of the day, we, we all have. A lot to worry about, but if you really break it down, a, a human being, an animal, a, a living creature, whatever, water is the most essential uh, thing that we yeah. that we need in order to survive. And and I should make the I should make the point that our East End legislators have been extremely strong on this, right? Bridget Fleming and Al Kropsky have been I mean, leaders uh, on this, and yeah, because we, we get it. We're, 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 <laughs> You know, we got more water than land. So, right. Uh, you know, we get it. We need to get it. That's what that's what it's all about. Well, uh, well, standing by, Bob. We'll, we'll see what <laughs> how how Stay things soon. how things move. Is there anything that we didn't talk about uh, that you want to make sure to mention uh, before I, before I let you go? I know we got to. Well, we gotta one thing I, one thing I would just say is that uh, you know quickly, if people go to the group for the East website and you look under events, you can find certain things that you can participate in. We have a couple of. Uh, things coming up uh, in October, some cleanups uh, at some parks here on the North Fork. But we have activities that are going on. So if people check in with that website from time to time, one, uh, you can get a download on all the other issues that we're working on. And two, you can find some things where you might want to, uh, you know, bring your family and spend, you know, just, just do something positive for the environment. Yeah. And, uh, it, it has a great, uh, it's a great refresher to do that once in a while. It's like one of the uh, most of beautiful good... times to do so uh, here on the yeah. East End as well. The temperature's down. The ticks are down. It's, you know, it's it's a pretty nice time to be outside. It's all good. Bob DeLuca, the one and only from the group for the East End. Again, it's groupfortheeastend.org. Yes. To find out more, I'm Gianna Volpe. This was the Friday Morning Tea, underwritten by Village Overhead Doors. This is ludicrous. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, news you can trust. Music you love. Yeah, did some movies and started missing this rap. Back to rap, then started missing them movies. Yeah. Left these to settle down with just one chick. Get with one chick, started missing them groupies. Stopped drinking for a year and I was all sober. Next year I got drunk and did it all over. Yesterday I quit smoking and swore I had enough. Till I smelt it in the club and had to take a puff. <laughs> I got rich, learned life was a now everybody's after all of my ease. Your hand out my pocket. When I was broke, all love for my folks. But nowadays I'm losing all of my friends. Let the story begin. The grass is always greener on the other side. Always searching for another high. Ah. The grass is always greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. The grass is always greener on the other side. Always searching for another high. Ah. The grass is always greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Exercising and winning got me a six pack. Right. Was eating healthy and did away with the junk. Then I got lazy and started to want to kick back. My six pack reverted back to a good. When I'm at the crib, I'm mad I'm not at the club lit. When I'm at the club, I'm mad I'm not at the crib.
damn night. Now sometimes I'd rather be with my keys. I got checks, gained a lot of respect. Now everywhere I go, they holler my name. But sometimes wish that I was disguised for peace of mind over fortune and fame. Guess what I'm really saying? The grass is always greener on the other side. Always searching for another high. Ah. The grass is always greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. The grass is always greener on the other side. Always searching for another high. Ah. The grass is always greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Bye bye butterfly. Fly away. Bye bye butterfly. Fly away. Yeah. Last year got the Ferrari that I always wanted. Drove it crazy, got sick of it, had to trade. All my fans convinced me to grow my hair back. Grew it back, then started missing my fame. I got hit, start tripping, I wasn't underground. Got underground, start tripping, I need heat. When you down, then people give you the run around. But feels great to know who really gives a Love y'all. You cut the grass and the snakes will show. And know your neighbor's fertilizer is fake. Don't let it fool you. We always searching for what we never had. Always ignoring what's in front of our face. We've been conditioned to things. The grass is always greener on the other side. Always searching for another high. Ah. The grass is always greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. The grass is always greener on the other side. Always searching for another high. Ah. The grass is always greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's our very own Bell Curves. It's their 2019 single, Greener. Kermit the Frog on deck.
All right, so I've got two tracks for Bob DeLuca greens. that I'll be planning, but this here. one goes and out today to him. I'd like to tell you a little bit about the color green. Uh, do you know what's green? Well, I am for one thing. You see, frogs are green, and I'm a frog, and that means I'm green, you see? It's not that easy being green. Having to spend each day the color of the leaves. When I think it could be nicer being red or yellow or gold or something much more colorful like that. It's not easy being green. It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things. And people tend to pass you over because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky. But green's the color of spring. And green can be cool and friendly-like. And green can be big, like an ocean, or important, like a mountain, or tall, like a tree. When green is all there is to be, it could make you wonder why. But why wonder why wonder? I am green, and it'll do fine. It's beautiful, and I think it's what I want to be. Aww. That one for Bob DeLuca and my pops, whose birthday is today, this one for all of us. Little Miles Davis leading us into the NPR news break at the top of the hour. Gotta love blue and green.